morning, church. Isn't it good to be here? Um, regardless, in North Carolina, the world would have been shut down, just so you know. Uh, they, would have, they would have shut everything down last night, even before anything came. Yeah. I'm glad we can still meet together as God's people and worship him and, and just spend time with God and the people of God. A church, uh, many years ago, on a New Year's Day in Pasadena, California, if somebody would scroll forward for me, um, Pasadena, California's Tournament of Roses Parade, a beautiful float shuddered, it sputtered, and it stopped moving. Now, it was out of gas. The whole parade was held up until someone could get a, a gas can to the float. And what was fascinating to the crowds who had come to see the parade was that this float represented a major oil company in its day. <laughs> there was a pastor that was there present um, when it had happened, and he commented about it, and I have it here. Uh, it stopped right where I was viewing the parade. I couldn't help but laugh. Uh, if there was one float that should not have run out of gas, it would have been this one. Standard Oil Company should have had plenty of gas. As I looked at the float, I saw a picture of many Christians today. Uh, they are beautiful, but they have no power in their lives. And they have beauty and prestige, but they have no power. Now, church, what a message for us today as Christians in the 2020s. And all Christians throughout history have been given every opportunity to enter into a wonderful relationship with God. Christ went to the cross to make an atoning sacrifice for us that we might be forgiven and cleansed of all sin. He rose again to give us eternal life. The Father actually gives us the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian today, you are of the Spirit and you have the Spirit. And he has made a way for us to live godly lives. And the Apostle Peter comments about this. He writes about this in his second letter. In chapter 1, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life. That is the Greek word zoe, meaning salvation life and godliness. It's not just getting saved, by the way. We want people to get saved. We want them to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be rescued from their sins. But we know that there is a calling to live holy lives, to live godliness. He's given us everything that we may live a, a life of salvation and godliness through the knowledge. And this knowledge here is super knowledge, not just common knowledge. It is a divine knowledge that has come from God through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. And part of the issue today is that we have not tapped into the power of being truly cleansed of our sin. I've watched over the years a, a cycle of someone who says they're a Christian and they get into this cycle of sin and confession, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, but we need to be truly cleansed of all our sin. I think we're kind of stuck, modern Christians, in a sort of duality. Uh, somewhere before, uh, between lowercase Christian and corruption. Uh, playing the fence. Uh, playing both sides as we sputter along. But church, for us to live godly lives, we must bring our heart to God that he may 
create in us a clean heart. Now, we're telling people, and this is okay to begin with, that you want to give Jesus your heart, or you want to invite him into your heart, but the deal is today that Jesus has to transform the heart. The heart that we have needs to be changed. And this message that we have is not just information, it is transformation. It is that we are made new, we are to live Christ-like, that we can actually live on mission and in the mission with God. Now, with that being said, we're going to be in Psalm 51 today, and I wish we could go through the entire psalm. Uh, looking back, we probably could have done a series through Psalm 51 here in this prayer of David. And, but as we get into the scriptures, it is the first of the month. And if you would, uh, repeat after me as we're getting into the God-breathed word. Say with me, all scripture, all scripture. is breathed out by God. And is, and is useful to teach us what is true, to, what is true. to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Amen. All right. You can say all right, too, if we want to keep going. All right. Um, so as we get into this, I want to give you a little bit of a summary of what has happened at this point. Some of the Psalms will tell us uh, who wrote it and what it's about. And if you have a subheading here in the Psalms in chapter 51, it will be um, uh, David, King David's prayer after he has committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba. And if you know the story, you know, uh, David was a young shepherd boy. He becomes king. He is a wonderful king. He's the kind of king that everybody loves because he didn't just sit in the palace. He went to war with his soldiers. He had a heart of worship for God. He had a heart of war. He was a warrior for God. But David also had problems where he had issues with women. And at one point in his life, in his uh, um, his kingdom as his role as king, uh, the people, his soldiers go to war, but he decided to stay back. Now, there's a message there in and of itself is that we as Christians should be where we are supposed to be. It's typically when we are not, when we fall into sin. David is looking out at the kingdom and he notices a woman bathing on the rooftop. Her name is Bathsheba. And he calls for her to have an affair. And she ends up pregnant. And now he has to conceal the sin. He invites her husband back, Uriah, from the war, who's one of the soldiers. And uh, he, has a, he wants to get him drunk so he'll sleep with his wife while he's on leave. He chooses not to. He sleeps in front of the door. He will not even go in to be with his wife. How can I have a good time while my other soldiers, my, my friends, are at war? So he goes back to the war, and David has him put to the front of the, the battle where the heat of the battle is, and Uriah dies in the war. David takes Bathsheba. He thinks he has hidden the sin. But God sends a prophet. His name is Nathan. And one day Nathan enters into David's courts, and he tells a parable. Obviously, the prophet of God is welcomed. And Nathan tells King David this, this parable of this shepherd who had many sheep, and he knew a man who just had one little sheep, and that great shepherd wanted the one man's sheep and had him killed. 
David being the shepherd that he was, he, he, he is enraged by this story. Who is this man that would take another man's sheep when he has so many? And Nathan points at David and says, you are this man. And David is convicted of his sin and he cries out to God. And we have a record of this prayer here in Psalm chapter 51. And I have just a few verses here to read with you. Um, Psalm 51, 7 through 10. David cries out, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness again. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities, and create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let's pray together, church. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity just to come and, and to worship you. We thank you that we still have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church today. And Lord, I pray that we have sensitive hearts. Uh, Lord, that our relationship is not so easily disturbed. But Lord, for those who may have drifted in their faith, those who may have fallen into sin, Lord, any of us today, Lord, that we cry out to you, that we recognize our sin, that we recognize our shattered relationship with you and with others. And Lord, that you cleanse us, that you create in us a clean heart, that you renew a right spirit in us as we are pursuing you and learning to be your disciples. Lord, that we are living holy lives as you have called us to live as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, we have spent some time dealing with why Christ came into the world. He is the megas foes. He is the great light that came into this dark world to save us from sin. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we spent some time on the incarnation um, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. This is called the hypostatic union. He is the man Christ who has come to save us. We also learned that he cannot be Jesus, Yeshua, God saves, unless he is Emmanuel, God with us. How can anyone save us from our sins unless they are the pure Lamb of God, that they are God in the flesh? And finally, we spent some time on the reality that God has saved us to bring us to heaven. God came to live with us that we might live with God in heaven. So there's several things we want to talk about today. And the first thing is, is that there is a mighty, there is a powerful confession here of King David, uh, verses 3 through 4 again. And I, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Uh, we see in David's true confession here that there is a cry for forgiveness. Uh, church, we need forgiveness of sin. We, we cannot hide our sin. We cannot bury it. It has to be dealt with. And God came to forgive us of our sins. Um, we have a God who does forgive. Amen, church? Uh, that he did make a way for us to have forgiveness. But there must be an admission of sin. There has to be confession of how we have lived. 
There has to be ongoing repentance as we're turning to Jesus Christ. And if sin interrupts our life, we have to bring it to Jesus Christ and confess it. The Apostle John tells us here, I have it above here, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, notice that it's plural. Um, I want people to live holy lives. I want them to live this kind of a godly life toward God. But notice it says sins here. It is plural. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what, church? To forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is the God we believe in. This is what he can do. And even beyond this, this is the issue, church. We have to know what sin is. I think we've kind of lowered what sin is, or actually we've tried to clean it up and bring it up and make it something better than it actually is. We call it bad behaviors. We call it just mere mistakes. The Apostle John tells us, and actually I have the, the verse here, not on the screen, what sin is. There's a definition for it. He says this, if you want to make note of it, First John 3, 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. That means I know the law of God. And God has laws. He has rules. Remember this movement came into the church and would say, hey, man, we're not about rules. We're about a relationship. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember hearing somebody say that. Our ministry is not about rules. It's about a relationship. And I say, you wait till somebody breaks the rules. Um, it's about both. I'm in relationship with God. I want to keep the rules because I'm in relationship with God. Uh, sin is breaking God's rules. It's living a life without regard, regard to, to God and his guidance, his wisdom, his truth. And our culture has, has drifted so far from a knowledge of right and wrong that even Christians have fallen into sin and they act like this is normal behavior. Now, I want you to understand how, um, how important it is to discuss sin in Psalm 51. David repeats it multiple times for a reason. He doesn't just say, my bad behavior, you know, I slipped up. You know, I, uh, I had a guy recently you know, say, man, I just had a bad moment. <laughs> that was a pretty bad moment. I'm not going to tell you what the moment was. I was like, it wasn't just a moment. These moments create issues in the world. But David mentions sin multiple times. He mentions iniquity. He talks about his transgressions and sometimes trespasses in, in the Bible. It talks about going over the line that God has drawn for us. Um, there was a teenager years ago I had to confront about some issues. And uh, I was sitting down talking to him and had somebody with me. And he literally told me this. Well, um, it's not that bad Everyone else is doing it. And I told him that's not true because I'm not doing it. What he means is that people who live in sin are doing it. It doesn't mean that everyone is doing it. What it means is I'm lowering my standard to be like the world who is in darkness and sin and living away from God. For some reason today we have Christians trying to fit in with those who are living in sin. Never forget. Why would I play and seek out something that put the Son of God on the cross? Uh, sin put Jesus on the cross. Why would I want to live that kind of a lifestyle anymore? 
Why would I want to just hang out with people that live that way and act like it's normal? Now, we're going to do life with people in the world, but we're not to do life like they are doing life, as people are living away from God. Um, we pretend as if sin is not something dangerous. It, it caused destruction. Death is in the world because of sin. Sin has come, and, and if your loved ones die because sin is in the world. I would say that is pretty bad. Sin leads to death. And people far from God have repackaged sin and tried to make it look very beautiful today. Uh, raise your hand if you know what Ashley Madison is. And it's an agency. All right, we have three people that know what that is. Big scandal, uh, maybe um, five to six years ago. But it's a Canadian online dating service and social media networking service marketed to people who are married or in a relationship so they can have secret relationships. It's designed for cheating and lying and adultery. They have a slogan, life is short, have an affair. It is a business built on the backs of broken hearts. Um, and we forget that sin shatters lives. It shatters hearts and lives. No one wants to be cheated on. No one wants to be lied to. No one wants to come and, and get married and invest all this time in a family and then find out their loved one has been having a secret affair. Um, but this is what this one business promotes. Uh, broken homes, broken hearts, broken lives, and sin devastates lives and corrupts the human heart. Church, every war is caused by sin. Every broken marriage and broken family was caused by sin. Every shady business deal that has caused companies to fail and ruin people's lives or livelihoods and their retirements was caused by sin and greed and adultery and all these things. King David did exactly what Ashley Madison, the business, promotes today. He was trying to hide his sin. The truth is, is that sin will indeed find you out. If anything, our slogan should be, life is short. Live faithful to God. He is the one who's given us everything pertaining to life and, and godliness. And thankfully, church, this is what we need to hear, that God sends prophets God sends pastors and preachers to declare the word of God that our hearts may be convicted when we begin to drift away from God. We need godly people to remind us that the way of God is better, that our relationship with God brings healing to broken families and lives, that we can love one another and forgive one another. Um, here it is that preachers and pastors and prophets push us back to faith like Dan Nathan did with David when he was in sin. It's not until our sin is brought into the light that we can face the reality and actually confess it to God and repent from it. David recognizes what he has done. He confesses it. He wants forgiveness. Um, but you cannot have forgiveness without the blood of Jesus. Now here David references something. He says hyssop. He says, purge me with this, this hyssop. I think I have it, I had it before. Purge me. 
purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. When God delivered the people out of Egypt, he told them uh, for the Passover that they were to kill a lamb, every family. And as they killed the lamb, they would pour the, the, the blood into a basin and they would take this little plant, this hyssop plant, and they would dip it into the blood and they would wipe it across the top of the door and on the sides. This would be the Passover. For them to be forgiven and passed over because of their sin, they had to apply the blood. Now, church, the blood, we cannot just say, I believe in the blood. Uh, I, I confess the blood. It has to be applied to our life. When the Israelites had come out of Egypt, they, uh, as they were traveling through the wilderness, they had a tabernacle they had made. And every time somebody sinned, they couldn't just set up, set up the tabernacle again and, and have this sacrifice to cover the sins of the people. They had a day of atonement and they had ongoing times of, of sacrifices and blood shed for the sins of the people. But as they were moving, what would they do when someone sinned and it was brought out and they confessed it? They would take a heifer and they would burn it with hyssop, with cedar. Then they would take these ashes and mix them with water. And they would take the water and sprinkle it on the person for forgiveness of sins. It has to be applied, church. The point is that the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, uh, the application of the blood brings deliverance and forgiveness. But we must confess it, church. We must recognize the sin in our lives and confess it for it to be cleansed. This is the next thing I want you to see, that there is to be a cleaning of our hearts. Psalm 51.10, David cries out, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The next part of David's prayer is a cry for God to cleanse him and ultimately consecrate him and make him holy. Church, God is not only in the business of forgiving and blotting out our, the record of our sins, but he is in the business of cleaning up our lives. He is calling us to move away from sin. And, and then you may have this heart that's still desiring that passion. You're struggling forward. And here it is. There's a cry for a new heart. This is the promise of the Bible. That God would take this old stony heart out and give you a heart of flesh. Not meaning like a sinful heart, but a soft heart. This new heart created by God. Again, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, whatever we have done. I remember a point in my life where I was struggling with some issues and some sin, and I remember just going into God's throne room and crying out to him, asking him to cleanse me of the sin, but you have to recognize it, church. For you to call on God to be cleansed, you have to recognize that something has affected your relationship with him. And God is in the business of taking this heart and cleaning it up, of cleansing it of all sin. God wants to deliver you from all unrighteousness, to cleanse you entirely. Church, the heart is desperately wicked. It is deceitful. It needs cleansing. But David goes a bit further. He calls on God. He says, create in me a clean heart. A clean means pure. Uh, that there's no sin in it. 
Um, this heart means the inner man that the New Testament Paul is writing about is that we are this new person in Christ. We have this man within us that needs saving. It, it speaks to here the heart, the, the mind and the will. Again, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And church, modern Christianity has been in the habit of confession without transformation for years. Many times I've prayed with people and it's the same thing. I'm still struggling with this issue. It is my struggle. We have lowered the understanding and the calling of God on our lives to say, I'm sinful, I'm always going to be sinful, I'm going to continue to be this woe is me kind of a Christian. It makes it sound like, why be saved? Well, I'm saved, but I continue to do life like everyone else. So I'm a sinner and I always will sin. And you'll have people say that I am a Romans chapter 7 Christian. I do the things I don't like and, you know, there's things that I like and I can't even do them. But the problem is you have to go on to Romans chapter 8. Those, we are to walk in the Spirit. This is a message of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. Romans 7 is talking about the man who's struggling in the flesh. I'm doing the things I don't want to do. There's things that I want to do that are right. And Romans 8 shows us that there is deliverance of these things that I am in. I can live in the spirit. Here he is. He's calling on God. Create in me this clean heart. Today, Christians apologize to God without changing their lives. Now, an apology, if anyone apologized to you without changing, it's manipulation. And you're trying to make God into uh, a genie in the bottle, I believe, is what we do today. We just rub the lamp when we need to have something our way. And we come again to the altar. Lord, forgive me. I've gone out and got drunk again. I slipped up. Um, you know, I had a, a bad moment. That continues to be another bad moment and another bad moment, which actually means a lifestyle, church that God is in the business of delivering us from. Here it is. David knows he needs something to radically change his life. So he's calling on God. I need something more. I've asked for forgiveness, and it already says in 2 Samuel that God has, Nathan told him, God has forgiven your sin. But David wants more. So he doesn't just bring his sins to God. He doesn't merely just offer his heart and say, I'll do better next time. He knows something is wrong within him. He wants a new heart. It must be renewed. It must be created by God. And here it is. I want you to see this in Psalm 51.10, where it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This, this Hebrew word, we talk a lot about our Greek words, this Hebrew word, bara, bara, it means, it means the same word, this Hebrew word, bara, is the same word that is used by Moses in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think in, in this text, we can infer that as David is crying out to God to create in me, he's not calling on some five-second rule, my heart has gotten dirty and I blow it off. It's not just rinsing off my heart. It's that I need it to be created and made new just like you created the universe. 
And this is the subject of the New Testament church, and it's through the Bible that God is in the business not only of forgiving, but transforming our lives. You recognize at a point in your life that I need more than just this cycle of sin and asking God for forgiveness, and I go and do it again. David is saying, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to go back into that life. I recognize what it feels like to be separated from you. This sin in my life has shattered our, my relationship. It has distanced me from you. I recognize my sin and I need you, God, to create in me a new heart that is clean. And this is what God is in the business of doing, church, to have this right spirit again as well. And I want you to know, you can tell when somebody has a right spirit. There's people this woe is me, Christianity. It's like people living under what God has really called us to do. To be holy as he is holy. Woe is me. You know what the message of the New Testament is? Is that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But now you are saved. Now you are a son of God. Now you are sanctified. We are to live that way. We are to be remade and renewed in the image of Christ. And church, this should be our desire. Our desire needs to be for a new heart that is cleaned up by God. Again, this is the message of the New Testament, that God is calling us to consecrated lives. He cleans us up, and actually, we are to go on about cleaning up our own lives. You have this sovereignty of God and the way his spirit moves and enables us to be saved and cleanses us. But the calling of the New Testament as well is for us to clean up our own lives. You can make note of this, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Paul says this, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. That God is making you holy, but at the same time, you're called to rid yourself of these things that pull you away. That you are to clean up your own lives. If anything, today, church, as we are entering into a new year, you know what's fascinating? Today is January 1st, 2023. 20 years ago, this day, we said yes and returned to the church on a Wednesday night, January 1st, 2003, on a Wednesday night. And we recommitted our life to Christ and his church that year. And it has been a wonderful experience. We've had ups and downs and wild adventures along the way, but I want you to know my life has gotten better. I look back often at my life and wonder what would have happened if I didn't say yes and go. I look back and wonder because I, I was going another direction. I was living as, as King David felt, that God felt far from him, depressed and, and living in this darkness and sinful path. And then we have this moment where you say yes to God. And there's more beyond the cleansing, by the way. There is a calling to live on mission with God. And at this point, I'm going to ask Jay and our praise team to return to the platform. And I want you to see this. This last thing here for us today, church. Confession. Seeking cleansing. We are to have a newly created heart and a consecrated life. And it leads to mission with God. Um, Psalm 51, 13. Then. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. Church, I want you to see this. This is a, a transition in chapter 
uh, 51 of Psalms. Then, then and only then can I tell people about God. Then and only then when I've been cleansed of my sin can I tell others that they need Jesus. We've created this, this distorted version of evangelism where I continue to live in sin, but I invite my friends into this relationship with God, but they see my example of living in sin, and that's why we fall short. We are called to get sin out of our lives, and then I can tell them about God. Then I can be on mission and evangelize and say, God saved me. He rescued me from my sin. Then I can tell or teach transgressors your ways. How can I tell them about God's ways if I'm not following His ways? And sinners will do what? Then they return. They can only return if I have returned to Christ. And church, this is the calling today. This is the invitation for us as God's people. How can we invite sinners to Jesus if we've not taken it seriously? So as we close today, as we enter into this new year, we've made all kinds of resolutions and goals over the years, and I am for those. The thing we have to start with is getting sin out of our lives, calling on God and allowing Him to cleanse us. So we open up the altars today, and the invitation for us today is, maybe I just need to come and confess my sin and ask God to create in me a clean Maybe it's calling on God for him to renew a right I think from time to time, this negative, bitter spirit comes into our lives. We can bring these things.